Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. What's new this week, Mike? We're doing something a little different this week on the podcast. It's been nice uh, publishing on the Mitch Rap Podcast with the big announcements in the Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, and now Don Bentley universe. But something's nice about going to a first-time author, a debut book, and someone who knocks it out of the park with Connor Sullivan. What'd you think about Sleeping Bear? Dude, so I when you suggested this, you actually like recommended. I think this when did this book come out? Last year, two years ago. You you dropped it, and I was like, no, nah, I hadn't heard of it. You kind of like, yeah, you should read it. And you did say it was like going to be. I was like, is it going to be a series? You're like, I'm not sure. And I just don't have time. Like, <laughs> unless we're going to cover it for the pod. Or like you tell me you have to absolutely read it, which ultimately means we're probably going to end up covering it on the pod. Do I, you know, get to do it? I mean, would I peek behind the curtain? Would I like to read more books? Yes, I would. And I think eventually I will once my kids are older. But for right now, <laughs> I'm reading it. Anyways, that's a long winded answer to say I'm so happy that we did this for the for the pod because I'm so happy I got to read this book. This reminds me of when we did uh s uh s a cosby's black top wasteland black top wasteland and like i was like dude you got to you got to pick it up i find myself craving these one-off like you know real a really well told story right you know like we're not worried about setting up a universe we're not worried about ip you know we're not worried about 10 books from now I want to tell the most kick-ass story right now, and this was it. Dude, Yes. an aging – like, I just kept on thinking, like, oh, this is what we wanted from, like, Mitch Rapp. Like, we wanted, like, an aging Mitch Rapp, like, after the after the fall. Like, this is Anna. You know, like, it's not. But, like, it's an interesting concept to put someone who was a pretty deadly operator, you know, someone who went in and, and, and caused bloody January in Russia – after his wife dies and now he he has a bum knee <laughs> and you know he has these dollars i'm, I'm imagining like kevin, you know because it's set in montana i'm imagining kevin costner and yellowstone yeah. and like this kind of thing but also he has the background of jason Bourne, you know or thinking about like jason Bourne, 30 years like you know post from or, you know even like a liam neeson like think about like the guy from taken like he's still badass and you could see early on yeah, he was even more badass. Like this book was it hit so hard for me. Oh, totally. You're right. I I really have elements of all these other authors I love being pulled in. And I don't know if Connor did that consciously or not and who his influences were. We're hoping to have him on the podcast and just to back up a little, part of the reason we're covering this book is because next month he releases Wolf Trap, book number two. And and I think you're right, Chris. They're both standalones. I, I don't believe Cassie Gale is in that one. I think it's a different story. Uh, hopefully, it will be set in some of the same areas from Alaska to Russia, Montana. I feel like Connor did that so well. But we're hoping to have him on the podcast. Absolutely would ask, were your influences Vince Flynn and CJ Box? You know, like you said, Yellowstone makes me think of a Joe Pickett. And he, he's pulling in a lot of strains of different types of storytelling and using them all. And I think one benefit of that is the plot. I know you've said a lot of books are propulsive, like Chris Howdy. You, there's definitely even some Chris Howdy elements in here. Everything right. is paced out so well. And one of my favorite scenes in the book, uh, we're, we're going to kind of just jump right into this, I guess. But one of my favorite scenes is almost the murder mystery or or the kidnapping mystery when we're with the uh, first it's the drunkard of a local uh, sheriff or whoever he is community police guy and then later it's a much more competent detective and they're on the trail in alaska and they're taking the boat and the shotgun and they find the shards of the tent and then later downstream in a different campsite they find the backpack with cassie's gun in it and everything's not adding up and then you throw the dog element into it that the, the dog was severely injured. Later, the dog definitely senses a couple of people who are fishy, like that that police uh, police captain guy. And and there, it's almost a mystery book. 
And then we go from a mystery to, oh, man, this is a Russian prison story. <laughs> right. And it goes to the highest level, and it's really bold. Putin is a character here. I want to I get know. your take I on know. that. That was interesting. Yeah, that was we're, interesting. We're inside the, the the Russian elites, and these are old like Soviet era kind of traditions of betting on these criminals and putting them in. And then we got some Hunger Games going on, right? With, right. <laughs> and, oh, and then another element or genre is the science aspect, because I looked it up, and these Sharashkas were real early at Soviet era, going back to the 30s, uh, science labs. So they actually did experiments with humans. And they published a lot of this crazy, insane stuff. So we've almost got a scientific psychology aspect going on here. We've got mysteries, kidnappings, a Soviet-era time period feel. I just feel like there's so – and then we got a Western, you know, on the ranches of Montana too. So I can't believe how many elements Connor pulls together, and it doesn't become a mess. It really is a propulsive plot, a compelling story that could very easily get overcrowded and these elements can compete against one another, yet they don't. They kind of harmoniously sing and the book moves along in a really, really exciting way. Yeah, I was going to say that too, that this this book is almost like definitely two different parts, two different, you know, stories, but they, they feel more connected as one, you know, continuation and it doesn't get bogged down with some of the, you know, the, the technical aspects of it but it it reads it does have like some of those nuances that you like and you know bits and pieces that you find in other uh you know with other writers in this genre but it it, it doesn't like try to you know do everything all at once yeah no i i agree with you with this whole propulsiveness and like i was almost like disoriented reading the first couple of chapters you know like we're with the the seal who get you know who gets taken uh, you don't i guess do we find out he's a seal right away anyways we know he's in the military and he gets taken and then you cut immediately to this woman and we don't know like why she called on the cell phone and her ex-husband or you know i think it's we think it's her ex-husband it's actually her dead husband you're like where where are we right now we're in the yukon then we're going to alaska and then the description of the scene with the attacks right both attacks are very disorienting the way they read on the page or, you know, as I was doing the audiobook, way they listen to. And then like the picture slowly like comes together yeah. with, you know, this murder mystery, you know, the father tracking down his, his missing daughter. And, but he, he kind of does a nice job like weaving in that this guy, you know, has a past mm -hmm. and there, there's something about him that's a little off. So when it's revealed that he was in the CIA and that all this stuff, it's not like super jarring. I will say, I have to, you know, sort of cite my sources. I wasn't, I didn't immediately come up with this myself, but upon finding it on the internet and reading it, it, it does kind of make sense. And I think like, you know, a lot of these stories, you have to sort of suspend your disbelief. Do you think it's interesting how, you know, she just happens to stumble upon and get captured in this program? <laughs> by yep. you know this guy who's running it and he was tortured by her father and uh, i think it was in a book review i was reading who she she gave a i was just trying to find like a plot you know some notes for the for the pod and i found stumbled upon this book review and she said while she enjoyed the story at all like that was the one thing that she kept come, getting mm -hmm. hung up on and she almost would have preferred it to be like he was vengeful for X money for 30 years and that he was setting this whole elaborate trap up to like bait her to come or like, you know, took it, took advantage of it and, and knew that she, you know, whatever, you know, anyways, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. The coincidences, and that's not the only one. The fact that her father was searching for this Sharaska, this secret Soviet prison lab out in uh, the Kamchatka peninsula. And she just happens to be taken there. One, that's a big coincidence. And then two, the other coincidence is we randomly pull out that the scientist, who's also a prisoner scientist at the lab, randomly- the son of the, of the <laughs> asset, right? right? Who got killed, right? He yeah. was the son of the asset who got killed that Robert Gaines, or Gail, the main character, Cassie's father, was trying to get out, right? And he was one of the children of the family that was our asset. And, and he was trying to get out and- Evgeny killed him, and 
there was this whole convoluted plot, which I was like, oh, this kind of works. It kind of checks out. But then that random coincidence comes up that that he wants revenge on Sokolov because Sokolov's been writing these forged letters, pretending that his family's really alive to give him a false hope, you know, to live and complete the mission for the Russians so he can maybe one day be reunited with his family. It's a little force. So on surface level, this book bangs it, right out the gates. Like you're reading it. Incredible. You close it. Oh, my God, what a story. I think the second you dig in under the surface, <laughs> things like that pop up. And then there were over-reliance on these chemicals because, one, there's this, like, tear gas, whatever, that knocks you out from these canisters. Okay. The devil's cool. breath, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then devil's breath is also this other thing. And then there's the injection, right, with some level oh, of truth serum right. in it that almost makes you an autom automaton. And then a third layer <laughs> It just gets a little silly is these guards with these like lobotomies. And so they're brainless, like super soldiers who just take orders and they're programmed to do whatever their programmer asks of them. We're getting into a, a, a touch of sci-fi with stuff like that. That wasn't really but grounded in reality. So if it's grounded in reality and, and the science backup is there and that's what you're expecting. Sure. But once you dig in here, you realize these are just devices that are there because they need to be there. And yeah, mm. and it it wasn't until I read the review and she pointed it out that I thought about it. Right. Like in in the moment, I didn't care that agreed. You know, there, this was a huge coincidence. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was cool. You know, like there's been times where we've read other things. And I don't know, maybe it's because we're looking for it or it's, you know, in, in a serialized fashion, you're looking for those tropes and they've been su super glaring, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I was, I was enjoying the book too much to like, let me get bogged down by something that I should be suspending my disbelief on. So. Right. I think, and I think the way I'm going to account for that in the scorecard is the buy-in on a believability scale is close to a zero <laughs> or a one. But sure. buy-in of the story as I'm bought into reading this thing is an absolute five. It's a it's a cracker of a story when you're reading it. So I, I think I have to take buy-in down a little bit because of the believability. But by far the plot is going to get a high score to make up for that because it's almost okay that it's not believable. This is fiction after all. And if the story can have me gripped where I'm willing to suspend the disbelief as well as this one did, that's going to have a great plot score. So if the buy-in's a little lower, the plot will be a bit higher. Right, well, speaking of plot, well, why don't you go ahead and let's talk about a couple of our favorite things we liked from the plot. We're, you know, we're, we're not going to do a whole super deep breakdown of the entire plot, but I think it'd be interesting to pull out certain moments that we, we, re we really enjoyed. Yeah. And I think we talked about kind of what I liked in the first third of the book, the mystery in Alaska, putting the clues together and how these various detectives are put are, you know, everything's falling into place. And then Gail sees something that seems off and we're tracking down clues. So I like that part. But my other shout out would be the bookends. I think the opening and the closing of this book really do exactly what they need to. And in fact, did you catch I wouldn't have even realized this, even reading the book twice. The first chapter is Paul Brady, the seal, being taken. We have a cold open with the canister being thrown into his campsite, and we hear that he's a Navy SEAL. We kind of forget about that, right? Because chapter two, Cassie comes on so strong. We're loving everything about her. And the seal, again, doesn't pop up until way, way, way later after she's taken to the Russian prison. But I kind of forgot that was a cold open. And it's kind of cool because it's planting seeds of when this thing is happening to her, it's kind of familiar. Yet I didn't remember that it happened to Paul Brady in chapter one. Then when she meets him, I'm like, wait a minute. We knew about this. And so I love it's calling back to those very opening scenes. And another part that's setting up that sequence that draws you right into Cassandra Gale is the bar scene. I, right. I think – some of the characters in that bar from Ned and Darlene who own it. And then this group of, you know, rough and tumble guys who eventually they get in the fight and she breaks his pinky. I really like that bar scene. It establishes who Cassandra is. It establishes the setting. 
And it establishes, we don't know this yet, some pretty nefarious stuff going on because these very, they come off at first as very homey, caretaking, welcoming, and hospitable people running this inn and this restaurant and this bar, Ned and Darlene, we can trust them. And when it's pull, when the, the the carpet is pulled out from under us, that's like a howdy twist right there, <laughs> Chris Howdy. Yeah. And we learn that they're in bed with the Russians, and he's an agent named Kodiak. You could see that as a coincidence, but I was so bought in, I saw that as a major uh, jaw dropping moment that I fully, fully was invested in. Yeah, there, there's a lot of clues that I think if you reread it, you yes. know, you can begin to pick pick up on little subtleties, and um. I'm not going to do my own horn here, but I, I did pick up on Darlene acting super fishy. Like, I think he did a very good job to like Connor did to, to write it where it reads both, you know, perfectly normal as well as, you know, she's like, Oh, I, I wish I, of course I'm not the quote guy, but it, she's like, Oh, you're alone. Like what, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're like, cause we've already seen the one kidnapping. Exactly. So I'm, I'm kind of like primed to be looking for in a murder, murder novel. You're kind of like, and then I guess if it was a full murder mystery, that would be like a misdirect, right? That would be yes. a good chance to do a misdirect, like have someone seem suspicious, but they're not. Um, but that's not what ultimately what this novel is. But yeah, I, I, I kind of picked up on, on that from the very beginning. And you know, that, that scene reminds me of, have you seen the movie Wind River? No. With uh oh, with Jeremy Renner, no, and like uh, Elizabeth too. Olsen, you got to watch that movie. It's really powerful. It's about like Elizabeth Olsen is a FBI agent. She goes to investigate a disappearance in Alaska. It's in Alaska or in Montana. It's in, somewhere where there's snow. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, in, in this in this setting where you know it's super. And then Jeremy Renner is a, a fishing like game warden and decides to help her on this quest and mm. you know there's just lawlessness and you have these these guys who are, do oil rigging they come in and they think they own the town and she, the lady the woman who's missing is a, is a native um american um really good really good movie so i was getting like mm. you know wind wind river vibes from this you know you have these seemingly nice canadians who work on the logging and you have tourists who come in and there's there's obviously you know disappearance that are going on Hey, I, I won't say it now because he's gonna. I think he, I think he might be my my wild card winner. Um, really? But, okay. Uh, there's 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 one guy who we meet, I guess in Alaska, who's really interesting. But um, yeah, I'll save that for for later. But yeah, the first half of this novel, I, I they're both they're so they're both so good. I, I it's true. I I can't. I feel like I do like it a little bit better. But yeah. Um. I, I don't know. I, I I enjoyed them both. I, I think I like the first half, but you also have to appreciate the last, boy, what, 50, 60 pages? There's a, a, a Flynn-style race to the finish line. Oh, with, yes. With the action yes. sequence breaking out of the prison. I mean, at first she tries to sneak out by basically kidnapping the guards and putting on their uh, – donning their uniforms and trying to get out. She's caught doing that. It's like the first great escape falls flat. But then the second one is spectacular because this thing's going to blow and the scientist is on their side and you need one of the prisoners who can fly the helicopters. So you have to break out with them. But also the seals are coming in because uh, Gail, Papa Gail, went undercover with, oh, what do you think of more of this tech stuff? The contact lens, which was actually a camera feeding right, right. back to the situation room. What do you think this, of the microbot? that the like buzzer. Yeah, <laughs> he swallows this uh, like nano buzzer attached to his belly, and so only he can feel the one way messages. If it buzzes once, what was it? The seals are on their way, and if it buzzes three yeah. times, he's on his own. He's on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of cool. Uh, it, we didn't end up needing that, but again, another kind of genre pull or or th- thriller pull that some authors lean into that Connor is tugging on. And this whole end escape. So, right, they try to get out and the helicopters are getting shot. And then they see another team land. And Paul Brady, being a SEAL, is like, look at their maneuvers. Look at their tech. Look at their gear. Those are Americans. And you're like, they're saved. But wait, there's a helicopter chase. And the Russians scramble the MiGs. And we scramble our fighters. Oh, and, uh, and then they sacrifice themselves. One chopper goes down. 
while they're floating in the ocean to distract the MIG. Oh, it's just a, a really cool finish. So I think you're right. I like the first half more in terms of the plotting and setting it up and this mystery we're taking on. But I really, really appreciate the action sequence at the end. It felt like it felt like Memorial Day, if I'm being honest. Right. No, I totally agree with that. And like what I was saying, like he doesn't hit you over the head with the tech specs the entire novel, but it's like it's pretty hardcore when when it does show up, and yes. it's it's necessary. Like it's and it's cool, you know. Yeah. You can tell that he did, did his research, and you know he even has. Like a concept, I looked up the, like, it's a real concept, Lockheed Martin aircraft that the FBI uses to take Gail, you know, from Alaska back to DC to get them there in like two hours. Like, right, right, right. You know, it's like little, little things like that that like make this, you know, the plots, plots thing. But yeah, I would agree with you. I think the action in the second half, awesome. Uh, also that the scene where he has to land, he has to like land the, the, the crash uh, landing. It, um, the crash landing. Yeah. Um, the uh, the G. The Gulfstream. The Gulfstream. G six fifty. Yep. That's right. That was really cool. And you know, just the se- the whole sequence of like you know them, him calling the air traffic control and them having to like get a hold of the military. Like it, it was a lot of like steps to get there, and it was very like cinematic in its approach. And I didn't feel like it was bogged down at all. It kind of just it read perfectly. Yeah. Very suspenseful too, which is surprising because he's almost he's doing a lot. It, it, it could be borderline too much, you know. This soup or this stew could just have far too many ingredients. Yet somehow the broth is just so good and so deep that even if it's overstuffed, the broth isn't lost in you know in the soup or the stew. It's a little imbalanced, you know. It's a little top heavy or ingredient heavy. Yet it's it's so f- packed with flavor that it it's okay, you know, that, that it still works. I'm a little hungry, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one other line that we're not even getting into is, we, we hinted at it earlier, there's also a ton of callbacks that just go deeper and deeper when Gail calls the secret number of the CIA contacts, who basically right. were his handlers, and we get the whole background. Once again, we and said the one Putin. is now the director, right? Exactly. Yeah. One's the director now. I think Susan Carter. I kept wanting to call her Peggy Carter, but Susan Carter's the director. And there's this old timey spy, Prescott McGavern, who kind of sacrificed his career. He he could have been a bigwig, but when this project, uh, the Striker program, it was called, and when Gale gets shot and his asset is killed, and the whole thing seems to have fallen apart. He kind of goes to ground and McGavern just takes like a desk job at the CIA somewhere. But he's secretly under Reagan's orders running this mission. And Gail, his code name is Pegasus. And Pegasus lives and calls this guy who's secretly still on mission going back to the 80s or whatever it was that, that Reagan authorized them to do this, this secret op. And he copied the files illegally. So he risked everything to copy the thumb drive to, to run the files like. That's yet again another element that could seem overdone and overstuffed, yet when you're reading it, you're all in. And and maybe it doesn't all check out, who knows, but it doesn't even matter because it's so cool when we're getting all this revealed. We've got Putin on one side, Reagan on the other side. <laughs> it's just, there's no way you could pull that off, yet he does. Yeah, and this whole idea of Gale or Gaines you know, being this, you know, being run by this ultimate spy master and being, you know, a top operative, one of the top operatives. And like, they flush out his badass career, you know, like he, he put in the work on the ground when he was young. Um, he, you know, got really close to, you know, discovering like this, this what would be a huge find, you know, because at the time I think they were purchasing or kidnapping exclusively exclusively uh other countries military, military personnel yeah. to do you know tests on it and then present day they're not just military but they're anybody that they can get their hands on and in chicken alaska in eagle alaska like uh, all the towns in alaska just named after birds <laughs> <laughs> i looked up on a map eagle and yeah it's it's exactly as described you cross the border 
this is the first place you hit. You know, you got to imagine it's it's got the bar, it's got the post office, and that's about it. And I, f- I felt like I was there. And I heard one interview Connor did with the crew reviews guys. Got to love the crew reviews. And he talked about this Alaska Triangle. And he's from Montana, so you could tell he really enjoyed writing the parts about the, the Gale Ranch. But he said he was shocked reading all these reports of missing persons cases up in Alaska and how there is essentially this triangle of land just across the border that has so many unsolved cases. And he even said he got to speak with a bunch of people who had crazy stories, some of them who were missing cases for long periods of time and then reappeared. And he said a lot of them uh, had connections to three-letter agencies of various sorts and I I just can't believe that part of it's real. Out of all the stuff he's making up to tell a really good story, the part about these missing persons cases across Alaska and this distinct area of land that's intertwined with a lot of espionage stuff and, you know, it's got to have Russia connections being up in the northwest there. All that was real. And he talked to people and he had research, people who disappeared themselves and came back decades later and – that's that's wild stuff, and and to bring that into the thriller as well as he did, and create a Cassie Gale. Uh, like, let's talk for a minute about how awesome of a character she is. I don't know if he intends to expand the series because you're right, Chris's next book, Wolf Trap, coming out. I don't believe is like book two. I don't think it has these characters. I'd be yeah, at least from the the logline, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm down for a Cassie universe, uh, absolutely, almost like Haley Chill. I would love to see three, four, five books with her and Paul Brady. They have to go to Montana, you know. That was the epilogue, so I would love <laughs> yeah, to that see was, this. That was interesting. Like the all three of them, like get the seals, let them go capture Ned. That you know, yeah. I guess it, it was cute, but you know, she is like the the third female to graduate from from Ranger School, yep. and like obviously can hold her own. We we see that throughout the entire novel. I, I'm totally down to expand that universe. I'm also down to learn more about about Gale. Like, sure. Who was know, the if, protagonist? Who was the main character? Was it him? I think I think I think Gaines or Gale. Yeah. You don't think it was Cassie? <sighs> or they're both. It's kind of like yeah. a you know a split the family. Like, you know the family. Yeah. True. Well, while we're on her, let me give you a description. I don't have too many quotes. I, I think it was. I was so caught up in this book, I didn't even want to stop to take notes or write anything down. I knew I was absorbing it, and I wanted to stay in the story. So it's almost a good thing for a book when I don't have too many quotes. Although the opposite, the the inverse is true. When I have a lot of quotes, it means I love the writing so much as well. So Yeah, sometimes when you don't have a lot of quotes, you're not vibing. So It's true. But sometimes it's because I'm just into the story so much. Yeah, you're, you're busy reading, yeah. All right, but here's this one. Quote, Cassie was in her early 30s. Five foot five and very fit. With short ash blonde hair and dark sapphire eyes, she wore little makeup and her skin was deeply tanned and sunspotted due to many years out in the extreme elements. As a result, she was more handsome than beautiful. And at this stage in her life, that suited her just fine. I'd take an origin story. Seeing someone like that go through ranger school would be super cool. Yeah, definitely. Someone who's been, she's been through so, so much. Yeah. All all of these characters have been through so much. It's it's a lot in the book when you when you actually like sit down and think about it. Yeah. But like my stew. Like I like that pack stew. But there's there's a lot left on the bone that he could easily turn this into, you know, something. Yeah, th- this could absolutely be a universe. Yeah. I'm also fine if we never go back there. You know, like it's it's such a nice standalone piece of, you know, art, piece of literature that just leave it there you know yeah that's let's, true let's let's I, i'm kind of digging these you know if we could someone who's willing to tackle a new thing you know get me to buy in because i was bought in to invested in almost every single one of these characters like Agreed. i cared about when Agreed. when the uh french um billy yeah, french died billy like, french, yep, you know yep. We spent maybe three chap four chapters with him. Like, yep. I I despise Ned and and those boys. Like, <laughs> I was bought in for Gale, you know, and his Montana crew, 
and Cassie yeah. and the dog. Oh my gosh, the dog. Oh, the dog. I was so sad. Oh, yeah. and Peter Trask, I think, is someone we can identify with, right? He's not in the family, but he's married into the family. Right. He kind of is a different persona than all these ranch hands, tough guys. Yeah, I feel like everybody played a role so well and was crafted with really delicate care to either be larger than life or life-size in a way that we can identify with. Every character was both larger than life and human at the same time. Yep. Yeah, it was great. So speaking of you said doing something new, you're going to feel that way when you read Deep Fake, the Ward Larson book. We're going to have him on next week, and, and I see a lot of parallels here. It's a completely different story. But Ward wrote a, a one-off, a book not related to – Is it out to, yet? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I We have a copy. We got an early copy. We're going to have him next week because I think the release date is early March. I think first week of March. So by the time you guys hear this, the uh, book should definitely be available. Deep Fake, he's doing something different. Not in the universe of David Slayton, his assassin series, yet every character he creates, you either love, hate, or can really identify with. The story is way different. The way this whole Alaska missing persons, Russian Sharashka has not really been done before, I feel. Ward finds something that has never been done before. And just like Connor gives you a lot of head fakes, who's the bad guy, which side are they on, who took Cassie? You get a big head fake in Ward's book, Deep Fake. So it's a really, really interesting twist. So I, I think this movement for the podcast covering some slightly outside of big series books I think is is something I like to do and we should try to do more. Yeah, because it's also like just – I wasn't – I didn't feel as daunted like getting into this and being like, Oh, well now, now we're going to have to do five books, you know, yeah, like right. <laughs> I mean, 10 books, 20, right. 23 books. Um, it's nice to know one, this, I like covering some of these newer authors that are getting like a lot of this buzz because they tend to only have one, two, three novels. I mean, in two months we could cover all pretty much all of Don Bentley's books. Cause he's only done, I think three of his own and, and well, the Matt Drake, of the books, Jack, yeah. the Matt Drake, the three of the Matt Drake, book, Matt Drake books and three of the Jack Ryan Jr. books. So yeah, no, I, I I like it. No, I'm not trying to say that I don't like these long series. Uh, it's just refreshing at right. times. Something different, yeah. And we're going to do that also covering Kyle Mills' fade because we know part of him stepping back from Mitch Rapp is to write book two of the, the fade character that he loves. Let's cover that one. I'd be really excited to go back to his earlier works and something we know he's very proud of and cover that. I guess that would be on the Mitch Rapp pod, but we got a lot of work to do, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also, just, I I would like to go back. You have you read any of the Mark Beeman story? I'm surprised he referenced Fade and not he, he wants to get back into Mark Beeman. Mark Beeman, yeah. I I wonder if Mark. Did you Beeman read Rising ran. Phoenix? Yeah, we read Rising Phoenix. I don't know if he's in Storming Heaven. I have a copy of Storming Heaven. I was going to read. Uh, I think that is a, a Mark Beeman book. Yeah, I, I wonder if he ran his course with Mark Beeman. I'm not sure how he ended with that character, dude. The Thrillerverse. It's just. Too big. It's, it's bigger than the it's MCU. <laughs> I know. I know. All right, let's get into the scorecard, dude. Let's do it. Yeah, back back to Sleeping Bear. Action, plot, what, what are you thinking here? Oh, the action's got to be like a, like a 9, 9.5. So good. It's, I, I don't really have, I, I, I don't know why I would, I don't give it a 10. I, I mean, I could just give it a 10. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's close. I think it's flirting with it. Tell, tell me why it shouldn't be a 10 then, I guess. Make your case for the 9. Okay, that's a good point. Because it's there's a, a decent amount of it, and it's all pretty good. The helicopter scene. All the ambushes and attacks. Mm-hmm. Even like the, you know, the, the various attacks we get with like the law enforcement when when Gail gets kidnapped by the rogue uh, state trooper uh, and you get all these well, it really bothered me <laughs> as a side note listen to the audiobook I didn't mind the narrator um, I forget her name she was, well, I thought she, she was, was good, good. Ex- I thought she was very she was good. very good except for how she said vimple or like I oh. I don't like I don't like the word vimple 
I guess I'm going to, I'm, I'm Is used that the pronunciation though? I, I assume that's the accurate pronunciation. No, I, I'm almost positive it is because, right. you know, the V, the VWY, like that's what it would sound like. It just drove me nuts every time she said Vimple. Yeah, and I hear you. <laughs> call them Spetsnots. That, that's what they are. They're, they're Spetsnots. Like, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. I think overall, though, she was really good. There was no, she was she was very good. She did the Russian of, like pretty good. She did the Russian lady really, really good, and I think the old man Sokolov really, really good. There was one or two like minor characters that, and and obviously you can't fault anybody for this. They sounded so similar. I kind of lost track of because we had so many police sure. detectives coming in and then going out. And then we also had so many minor characters because there was the bar fight crew, but then there was also Gail's crew of his like assistance right. back from his ranch. And so I don't think that's a fault of the narrator because there's no way you can have 20, 30 different voices clearly. Distinct. I think with anyone, they'd have trouble like trying to distinguish exactly. everybody. But I do think that's maybe one area where Connor can clean up a little bit, you know, strain the, strain the soup a bit, just because that might be one area where there's too many cooks in the kitchen from all the different police detectives we rotate through. And I know they each had a different role to play to all the different farmhands who are coming in and helping out and, and lending a hand to all of his family members because there's Emily and there's Trask and there's the dog and there's Cassie. Maybe just a little overloaded on the cast of characters, but. I digress because that's not action. I I think I'm going to stay at nine on action. I think you could make the case for 10. I, I don't know what's missing, but I'm like, I just think that extra edge that makes it like the, the hit on the JCTC in Extreme Measures or that final sure. helicopter sequence in Memorial Day. It's close, the action throughout this book, but I'm not sure it's there. So I, I'm going to stick with yeah, that. that I just keep thinking of that that final helicopter scene with the MIGs and the F twenty two Raptors. It's like that cool. was that was pretty cool. And then they tell them to put on the wetsuit and then they hop out. Yep. And then also the the crash landing of the right, you know, the plane. Like, uh, and he's on know. with the control right. tower. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going nine point five. Nine point five. You got me. You got me. Compromise nine point five. <laughs> All right. What plot. about the plot? High praise for the plot. I. I think it really is paced very well. Uh, I think it's amazing. It had me gripped the whole time. I'm going to give it a nine. Uh, I, I'm just not going to go to that 10 because of the believability. Of course, that's going to bring down my buy-in score. But I could see a few times people rolling their eyes because some things are just so coincidental. So I'm going to say nine. Great score. Just going to take off that point because of sometimes coincidences were added to the plot just because they needed to be or we wanted them to be and not because it naturally could have happened or should have happened that way. Yeah, I, I think like mine's a similar argument. And even though like I didn't mind the overstuffness, I think the like, it could have been trimmed up, you know, a little bit. And then, so that's why I can't, I can't give it a perfect 10 because we'll save that for, you know, rare cases where everything is, is needed, necessary and, hits whereas like this hits but you know anyways, with an asterisk it, 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 yeah exactly so and then buy in i don't know it's like a three okay. it could even be lower it could, yeah. could, i could go to i could go to a two because it's it's, yeah. it's a pretty crazy ass story you know it has elements he's pulling like elements of like things yeah. but when you put everything together it's it's like a pretty unbelievable story. It's almost as bad as like Hammer Rock, like uh, Hannibal having a, a virus that can only take out Muslims. You know, like we're we're, we're verging on that territory. Yeah, blowback uh, territory. Uh, again, yeah, hundred percent. I'm gonna go with that too because I think the book made up ground, getting my nine and nine and a half on action and plot. That I've got to ding it somewhere for this complete. I cannot imagine any part of this actually happening this way. It's too coincidental. It's too over the top. So uh, the two points I'm giving a buy-in are purely because I was so bought into the actual story and hence the nine on plot and the nine and a half on action. So I'm going to leave it at that too. Good guys, bad guys. We talked about a lot of characters here. What'd you think of the cast of good guys and bad guys? I, the good guys, I, I think I got to go five. I really enjoy really? Okay. you know, especially if we're going to characterize the two protagonists mainly as 
you know, Cassie and Gail. I really enjoyed them. And then all of the, you know, their family, the, the stuff that came with them, you know, I really enjoyed those characters. Also, like, she was kind of like, ended up being minor. I thought she was going to be more important, but the pregnant, like, uh, uh, law enforcement officer who was like heading up the right. investigation in the beginning, like, I thought she was a cool character. I was like interested to see where she goes. Ultimately, you know, she, she leaves. And I thought, I thought at first I thought they were going to kill her off once, uh, Ned, you know, said, Oh, Vance can fly you, you know, to, but then I realized he was actually going to fly Gail down to whatever. Right. But right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm giving the good guys a five. I really vibe with them. All right. I'm going to give the good guys a five for everything you said. And I'm going to hold off on my last character who pushes it up to a five until my free space. So five for now. Uh, I, There's one. Other I person. also, I also held off on a good guy. I wonder if we have the same good no, guy. No, we don't. We don't because I know who yours is. I have, a, I have a, a sinking suspicion and mine is slightly different. While I'll agree with yours, I have a slightly different one, so I'm going to hold off on that. But let's talk okay. bad guys. Let's talk villains. They're okay, right? right the They're bad guys, they, they weren't bad. They weren't, like, amazing. Um, right. You know, like Darth Vader, you know, Nazarkatan. Rafikaziz. Rafikaziz, you know, but they're not bad. So I, I think you go, I don't want to say a three, but like a 3.5, four. It's verging on four. Yeah, verging on four. I thought three was a little low, so I made up ground with that three and a half. You know, so yeah, close to being great. I think the woman was great, Yarmakova, Sokolov. Yeah, she was probably the Putin. best villain. Right, 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 right. So Sokolov almost was like the 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 least impactful villain. Yeah, you know, like one dimensional. I think very one dimensional. I think I think he wanted him to be. He was supposed to be the big bad. Yeah, but you know, like I said, like I think if if he had actually been, you know conniving and, and manipulative and searching for Gale for 30 years. I mean, I guess he thought he was dead, but he knew he didn't get his daughters, you know? So, you know, searching for those daughters, you know, in whatever means possible, weaving that in somehow would have made him more interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I like, like when you throw in Yamakova, Putin, um, what do you think of like having Putin being an actual character in this novel? I didn't, yeah. didn't really touch on that. I, I'm a little surprised that it happened. It I, took me out of it sometimes. It did. Like it, it, I was just going to say it. But they, they he also referenced Reagan, and I didn't mind that as much. I don't know. That Maybe was much Putin's more of a, a light touch, though. That was a much more just say it in passing, filling in some backstory. To actually have words in Putin's mouth and scenes with him. It took me out of it a little bit. It's one of the rare times I probably would have just wanted a fictional made-up president. Putin in, in, in his post-coital state uh, in a robe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got a little weird. Kind of took me out. Whoa, we're, we're doing this. Okay. I think when you write about real-world leaders, it's kind of like what Kyle said, right? Uh, when he wrote characters, whether it was Christine Barnett of Lethal Agent or Anthony Cook or Catherine Cook, it's like, you want an equal amount of people to scream at you. Why did you make that Trump? Or why did you make that Hillary? You know, why did you make that Bernie? Like you want it to come from all sides, which shows you that you've made a character that is not a one-to-one, but pulls sure. elements of, of Very all well. angles. Yeah, yeah. And by put, putting Putin there, you're just a little too on the nose, uh, you know, about who this character is. And I'd rather see some creativity to make somebody up or you don't even need one, right? Why, why'd you even need a president or Russian prime minister or leader involved I, to scramble the migs at the end you could have just had some general pull weight with some general and make him do it kind of thing but yeah no you're you're right he could have been thrown out and then the story is perfectly yeah. fine so all right but the setting. that's why we ding the bad guys yes 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 I, I think there's only one thing you can do for the setting and it's to hit that five hit that percent sign on your keyboard smash I'm going that five, five, five right there i have to yeah he, he does a really good job of you know, we go from we get a light touch of Montana, not not that much, but like a lot of the Yukon Territory, Alaska. You know, really like trying to understand when we're moving from one place to the to the next. You know, like physically how much distance that is, and then also like the description of of Russia and like you know, yeah. I think one of the key things is when she first Cassie first wakes up 
in the forest like she notices that oh it's different for a different fauna like i am not in montana i'm not in yep. alaska anymore and it's like those little touches you know to to set that setting that you know i think elevate this novel and you can tell like he cares about he cares about nature cares about the location and it it definitely shined in, in the novel so oh. It's so haunting, the scenes when they're on the river, going to the campsite, got the shotgun, you know, scare off that bear, find the tents scratched open, send it to a forensic lab. And then even the dog, right? They find the dog outside the campsite and picking up little bits of evidence. You were, I was right there. I was in the story. I was in Alaska. I felt cold. I can hear the, the rushing river stream nearby. Five out of five. And then the Russia stuff was good. Not as good, but also enough to to carry that five. So I'm doing it. You want to do the cover or the free space? What do you think? Oh, let's do the cover. You didn't okay. you didn't post me the covers though. I can't I can't see them. Well, there's only two, so Google it up. I mean, it's a newer book. Okay. It was actually two years ago. It was twenty twenty one it was published, but got the original yeah, hardback. Right. I, I thought it was like that. Okay. Yeah, original hardback was the one you saw all over social media when it was dropped and, and in the lead up to the launch. Pretty nice white background with these red splotches. One of them in the middle, the center, turns into a mountain range. So very Alaska feel, but it's almost a bloody Alaska. So there, there's something dark happening here. And you do get the, ha- the hammer. That's supposed to be like uh, bear claws, right? That's supposed to be the bear claws. Oh. Like the, the four stripes is like the... Because they even mentioned that like Dude. bears can have three to four, like that's like the bear ripping the the cover. You're it's right. it's sick. It's a sick ass cover. Dude. Dude, you're right. Oh, I love that. And the font is pretty cool. Font is very different. I like I like the different font. And it yeah. works. Yeah, very blocky. Oh, dude, the bear claws like ripping the tent open. Well, it was mm-hmm. fake. It was simulated claws ripping the tent. It was actually a knife. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that's a great cover. And then the Kindle edition. What do you think about this one? Because there's some cool things going on here. I kind of like the Kindle edition a little bit. I, I like the original cover, but I kind of like the Kindle edition a little bit better. It's, I think so, too. It's cool. They're in the forest. There's a clearing, and the clearing's in the shape of a hammer and sickle, and there's someone walking, and then there's footsteps. Uh, is it footsteps? Is it bear, bear steps? Bear you know, tracks, is, yeah. Is bear tracks? Like, what What are we doing here? I, it's intriguing. It makes yeah. me want to – gives me that sense of loneliness that is really – I think Connor does a really good job of explaining the desolate, you know, isolation. while there's a lot of beauty, there's a lot of isolation out there. Uh, and this cover in one page, you know, tends is able to convey that to me. Yeah, dude, I agree. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm going a solid four. You know, it's not like, I guess like I, I'm giving it a four because the, I like the Kindle one better than, than the original. Like that's okay. the, like my only reason why I think I can can ding it from a five to a four. But yeah, I think I'm going to a four. I, it's, it's pushing on four and a half, five territory. More I think about it, I just think there's something to be said if you ask me some of my favorite book covers. Four point five. And I, I yeah, I, I think it's more four and a half because I like it better than it's new. It's it's different. You know, there's not a running man in in, in Russia. You know, are there it takes a chance on. that are there power lines? Let's zoom in here. Do we see power lines running across the, the Siberian forest? That hardback <laughs> takes a chance with like different kind of blocking, and yeah. I I You're like right. it. You know, like I'm going lot, so I'm going four and a half. I just don't think I can give it the perfect five because if you ask me my favorite cover of all time, I wouldn't come to this. I I think it has a chance to push into the top of the list, you know, five, ten, maybe, but I really wouldn't consider it in the upper echelon. So yeah, I think I think four and a half is is the right move here. We have the exact same score here, Mike. Do, oh, do we really? Wow. Yeah, I'm agreeing on everything. We're on the same page here, forty three and a half, and that assumes five points for the free space. All right, can I take a guess? Yeah, go ahead. You loved Earl. That dude in the office with all of the maps and the the pins in the map of every missing person case color-coded by decade. That's the point. I think you love the color-coded by decade so we could track where people go missing across the wilderness for the last 40 years. Earl? 
you got it. It's Earl. <laughs> I <laughs> I also like the fact that he it's like he's he used to be FBI. He's retired. He's still working this case. He true believer. You know, has all this information. Yeah, like I don't know. He was a real quirky character that in the end was super beneficial. Gail needed him, you know, to make his case to the president to to be even allowed to go over to and you know he's the he's the reason because he mentions that oh there's a missing seal yep and he's able he knows he's tracked it that the seal stayed at the same um place that ned owned so it's most likely he was also trafficked so yep. uh, it's it's definitely him and without that tidbit of information the president may not have authorized the mission because right. they needed to know right. american military were captured and held here as prisoners of gives him a little more cover like yeah. to justify his actions yeah, yeah you know another cool note was when gail flies him and says you come with me to washington where i'm going to pitch my case on this and they meet prescott mcgavern basically gail's handler and this old-timey spy and he knows earl earl and him have communicated right. and worked together uh, that would that made sense you know these two yeah. old timers yeah all right a little one that when she comes up is awesome. We kind of move on from it. It gets forgotten, but the indigenous native woman, I think Eve was her oh, name and her son. She's cool. She's a cool character. The way she's staring at Tobaluk, the drunkard police chief, because he basically ruined their town. And you know, he ships in the booze and he's making money off of it and he's breaking the law. He basically ruined these native people's lives. And then she has this look in her eye. She can spot evil. I think it was really smart for Connor to tap into the native indigenous element of this. Because anytime you're up in that territory, you know, Yukon territory, Canada and, and up there, really smart to bring in that perspective because it's so important to the heritage, the people, the lifestyle. These are not Western American settlements throughout most of history. That's very recent. Uh, and so I think having right. her really provide that extra insight, that almost supernatural vibe that sometimes these cases need uh, was a really smart play. And to tap into that was a lot of fun when, when she had that missing uh, piece of information. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's a good pick. Good pick. Do good stuff. Great book. I hope we get to talk to Connor Sullivan real soon as we lead up to book two wolf trap. Go ahead and pre-order that. Chris and I got our advanced copies. I know your dad's reading it. You and I will hopefully read it before uh, next month when uh, when Connor comes on the pod. Yep, yep. All right. We need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Kevin, Daryl, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can find us online at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just like Gail, be Gail. <laughs>